0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Chad. This is the Mission Daily, your number one source for accelerated learning. And on this Tuesday morning, I'm joined by the lovely Stephanie Postles. I'm allowed to say that because she's my wife.
1: Hello, hello. Yeah, I guess anyone else, you are not allowed to say that, boards.
0: Yes, HR does not take kindly to those type of uh, comments. <laughs> no. um, big shout out to our uh, de facto HR and general counsel, Ben. I hope I don't get reprimanded for that, but we'll see.
1: Nah, you're good.
0: So let's start off with a quote you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect them looking backwards so you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future you have to trust in something your gut destiny life karma whatever steve jobs in his stanford commencement speech so that quote is a really helps illustrate what we're going to be talking about today which is more examples of stories and actionable insights from the idea maze so we talked about the concept of the idea maze in the last episode and in this episode we're going to be talking about idea mazes and dare i say many heroes journeys in our own lives
1: and today's episode is brought to you by twilio the leading cloud communications platform and this october twilio is hosting signal a customer and developer conference that explores the intersection of technology innovation and communications and if you want to join the mission daily at the signal conference we will be there so To get 20% off the tickets, use promo code MISSION20 when you go to signal.twilio.com.
0: See you there. The mission is going to be there on location, and we have been all over the Bay Area at different tech companies' events, and we are generally yeah pounding the pavement, meeting all kinds of like-minded people, and it's amazing. So if you would like the mission to come on location to you, reach out and get connected. Info at themission.co, and we will talk to you then.
1: All right. So where are we starting with our own idea maze or how should we start this episode?
0: So we know the purpose is to tell some real world stories because I'm always advice is it's tempting to give advice sometimes, but it's really hard to get all the context necessary to give appropriate advice. And so a much better idea, I think, is stories. And if I look back at my own life through the frame and filter of the idea maze, I think that there's some interesting stories that are going to be really valuable for listeners because they're going to help them see their own idea mazes and then tease out the insights or a new way of looking at them, a new way to bring those experiences meaning. I think that the more we can be our own psychoanalysts, our own therapists who analyze our experiences, uh, the better that life becomes. You know, therapy is something that's incredibly expensive. And so for most individuals, this is a practice that's really affordable and um, in my own experience anyways, insanely valuable to do.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes hearing other people's life stories or their idea maze or how they got there sometimes helps spark an idea of like, oh, wait, I have this kind of journey too. It's definitely different. Everyone has a unique journey, but I can start to see how I got to where I am today.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's what we're shooting for here.
1: All right. So where should we start? When you were born or... (laughs)
0: So way back. No, we're not going to start that far. You did but mention a, pre-K
1: in the last episode. So I was wondering, <laughs> I'm like, are we going to go year by year of Chad's life?
0: No, no, no. Um, so the, the first story that I really wanted to share is that, uh, you know, as humans, we are mimicking machines. We imitate those we admire for many different reasons. Uh, it's. Basically, a survival mechanism. It allows us to fit in with our tribe, our family, our culture. Uh, It allows us to avoid ostracization. And, you know, early on, if we're ostracized or an outcast or, you know, try to really become a nonconformist, it doesn't work out well. You're actually going to be, I think Emerson said that for nonconformity, the world whips you with its displeasure. And I think for all our listeners out there, you know, the experience of trying to do something new, trying to be a little bit different or to generally just like explore who you are and having that feeling of society and people uh, lashing out against you. So one of the first instances I found where I found something and some, you know, a person that I wanted to mimic and admire was in you know my own family and my dad. So that's as a, a young boy. You know, looking up to your father, that's something that we're, we're hardwired to do very, very much. And uh, it was a, a great thing. My dad's an awesome guy. Shout out, dad, if you're listening, uh, love you. And one of the things I noticed early on when we would go either on family vacations or at home, um, my, so my dad was an avid, is, still is an avid reader, and he would read a lot of Michael Crichton books. And for those listeners out there, you know, I'm a big Crichton fan. Yes, you are. A uh, little, little bit obsessed. And But so also other people in our family would and when we would go each summer to the beach the adults in the family would oftentimes they would all be reading the latest michael Crichton book that was kind of in his heyday when he was just churning out hit after hit after hit um many of those hits by the way took like 20 years in the making where he would shelve ideas and come back to them again and again so they weren't definitely not overnight successes but what i noticed was the that Crichton's books were capturing the attention of all the adults And that's something that's incredibly valuable. So when you, you know, as a kid, you're again hardwired to seek out attention for survival reasons. So being able to get that and the resulting connection, there are plenty of studies that show, you know, you need that to survive. You need that love and attention. So what I found was, okay, whatever they're reading, whatever's so good about these books, I need to learn how to read fast and then I need to read them myself. So started to do that, started to read books, and I would, you know, grab a copy, hide it in my book bag, take it to school. And in those days, I was going after school to a friend of the family's house. And I would, you know, get out the book and just start reading.
1: Which book was it? Do you remember? It's Jurassic
0: Park. Okay. And as I was uh, doing that, I would just be like sitting there, minding my own business, reading. And the lady that, whose house this, this was, I can remember her seeing this and she got angry. And she was upset at this. Why? And she, so, this was back, I think it was in uh, fourth grade. And I can remember her first was a borderline. She wasn't a happy lady, by the way. Yeah, she doesn't sound like it for so, angry in general. <laughs> so, her first, I think her first words were basically like, What are you doing with that? And I was like, uh Well, I'm just reading it, Mrs. So and so. And she was like, No, seriously, you, you're not reading that. I was like, Well, You know, I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to read it. And, you know, she was just incredibly aggressive and like that she and like other people and my quote unquote friend would basically pick, you know, just make fun of me for this. And I quickly learned that anytime you gravitate towards something that is, you know, you feel pulled towards, maybe you can explain it. Of course I couldn't articulate all these things at the time, but I did know that it was interesting. I could have, I had some grasp of the story and it was um, inspiring for me. I, I really liked it. Uh, so that was that was quickly when I learned that um, the idea maze is not for the faint of heart. And this so is that uh, where
1: your idea maze started with books and.
0: I think that those mini hero's journeys where you get to the threshold of adventure, uh, i.e., reading the book and exploring an entirely different world, um, is you're always going to be met by a gatekeeper and you know tests of how bad do you want it type thing. And that was one of the earliest examples I found where it's just so so important to, and in, in many senses, like of, with the story, I pulled back. I was, you know, kind of like aghast that somebody would be this aggressive uh, towards me. And later, um, I think uh, again, Crichton's quote here is um, genius to analyze the situation of, you know, you know when you're on a really important path when something like this happens. So here's Crichton's quote. I actually think that 1984 came to pass. Orwell's writing about a totalitarian state, and that part isn't the case. But the notion that you might live in a society that rather rigorously limits your available behavior and that watches you to make sure that you do, I think that we are increasingly seeing this. But what's interesting is that it's not big brother. We're doing it to ourselves. So I don't mean big brother, and Crichton doesn't mean big brother here in a military-industrial complex sense, uh, or a nation state, you know, surveillance state type thing. But I do mean big brother in a sense that there are going to be people around you that when you really start going all in on exploring this idea maze or a hero's journey, they're going to have their own opinion. So that's where the real challenge lies in I think analyzing these situations and then um, you know, embarking on these journeys now as uh, adults.
1: All right, so now that we know where you started with books and the whole hero's journey behind it and how that started developing your idea maze, what's the next story that came into play afterwards?
0: Sure, so those are examples of uh, threshold guardians or challenges that you're going to face when you start going on this. So let's yeah dive into some more stories. Um, and oftentimes when you begin to enter the idea maze, you're following the thread of an idea. And when I explain or when people ask about uh, why I joined the military or, or what led me to that, it was the thread of an idea. And that idea at the time, I think it was back in 2007, when and before that to late 2006 uh 2007 when iraq was obviously still going on and uh general petraeus had proposed at the time the troop surge and you know his 10 points to win hearts and minds and then exit iraq i was really excited about that because i had seen both sides of the proverbial debate which wasn't much of a debate which said uh you know oh we're horrible for invading iraq which i agreed with and then the other side which said yay yay, yay like let's you know, basically just cheering on without really much of a game plan. Um, And obviously this is a really rough characterization of both sides, but they were something along those lines. And there were merits in the most thoughtful arguments on either side that were worth considering. But what I didn't see a lot of were people proposing or putting their own skin in the game to help solve the situation and then get out of there as quickly as possible. And that's one of the things I just became incredulous about that why aren't there more people like trying to fix this and get all of those people over there, both our soldiers and the Iraqis and innocent civilians, like off of that sacrificial altar of stupidity. Like, why aren't we all figuring out how to get this like fixed, done, and you know, peace out of the, uh, the area? So that was the threat of the idea that led me to very cautiously enter the military. I entered a path that had the most optionality. So I didn't, I still was not sold on the idea. I knew it wasn't gonna be a career, but i did know that i felt this really strong urge to get out of comfort by any means necessary and expose myself to challenge approving ritual and really just exploring what did i have to do to own a situation like that and make it better so you know riddled with um, naive aspirations and limited knowledge and just you know you just run down the list of things i was just not not prepared for it but in you know kind of like throwing myself off that ledge and cutting off retreat, signing the contract, it opened up a whole new world and vista of what was possible and how much I could endure. And obviously, connections with the best of the best people and connections with the worst of the worst. So it was really following that thread of an idea led me to analyze the situation and get direct experience in a whole new way.
1: So, when you were thinking about and when you did join the military, bringing it back to the idea maze. Did you have this tie into a future plan? Like was this, that's kind of what uh, Chris Dixon's essay talked about is, you won't know everything about the future, you'll probably get it wrong, but you kind of want to at least, you know, tie it into where you're headed.
0: Yeah, I had a rough, very rough idea of goals in terms of, I knew I wanted to deploy, get over there, help, you know, do my my part. Uh, I knew that I was interested in becoming an officer, potentially doing special forces, uh, but I was also suspect of everything and thought that I might want to get in and get out as quickly as possible. And as I got more information and got was fortunate enough to get the path to choose between deploying and then getting out as quickly as possible, finishing ROTC and becoming an officer or pursuing the special forces path, it was apparent that I wanted to deploy and then get out as quickly as possible. And that's something where it was a bit disheartening, seeing that that was the only way that real change was going to happen outside the system. Um, I think that change inside the system is possible, but it's it's very, very challenging. And it wasn't really a place where I could put my skill sets to use. Um, along the way, though, while I was still in, uh, I, it wasn't a situation where like I was kicking back, coasting. Uh, I did the best I could to seek out opportunities where um, I could you know follow the idea maze for once I eventually got out. And there were all kinds of opportunities along the way that presented themselves um, for unique opportunities to... Yeah, explore.
1: Yeah. All right. So you did your two deployments. You went to Iraq. I think it was for 14 months.
0: I think it was like, yeah, 12 months. 12 and months. Okay. 13, and then, 13 months. Okay.
1: Roundabout. Yeah. It was like a year. And yeah. then you went to Egypt. And then afterwards you came back. And I remember you uh, got invited to do a military recruiting campaign. Do you want to talk about that and kind of talk about how that weaves into your idea <laughs> maze?
0: Yeah. So I, this, this is something that's like, it's it's really funny how, again, something I could not have planned. And it was uh, a situation where I got invited out and the the military was doing um, a big recruiting recruiting campaign and it ended up doing uh, on, you know, radio and and TV and everything like that. I had no idea at the time. And I was doing it in the uh, capacity where I was still a soldier. So this isn't a situation where it's like anybody that's thinking like, uh, you know, big bucks or like cushy or cool. Nah, not, no, not no. I mean, it was cool. All.
1: I remember you sending me the pictures when I think you were in LA, like Hollywood it area. Was a,
0: it was a great experience, but it was also you're getting paid about ten times below the market rate of. I what? mean, okay.
1: Other than that, but I mean, the pictures you sent me of like you know, the fires that were going on. And- well,
0: that's where we get into the cool aspect yeah, that of it. Was great. Because I did not anticipate that later on in doing the things that we're doing now with media projects and starting to craft uh, TV series and, um, you know, original uh, screenplays and scripts and things like that, um, seeing this behind the scenes of how it actually happened was fascinating. So the director of this project, it uh, so again, this is like for those out there that are familiar or interested in synchronicity, I was at the time very, very obsessed with the movie, The Abyss by uh, James Cameron. I love that movie. And the director turned out to be the director from The Abyss. And he had randomly uh, got you know, selected for this project. It made sense. He fitted it into his schedule. So I got to see him work. And that was priceless for me because I could not have got that access uh, any other way. So I you know, watched him very, very carefully. I was going out and working with the, the copywriting teams in the studio like I wanted to help however I could with whatever was going on because uh, it was just fascinating like we were going in and out of the studio recording different radio spots we were you know in a humvee while the special effects people were setting the you know the forest on fire around us um, you know, helicopters were flying over it was just really exciting to see how a small movie or a small TV spot comes together
1: so is that what sparked your idea, like I want to get into media and, you know, writing TV series eventually. And
0: that that direct experience changed my perception of what was possible. And the initial idea maze, uh, you know, when you enter the maze, it's scary. But when you start to explore there, yeah, there are going to be things that are terrifying, but there are also going to be um, new paths and new hidden doors in the maze that open up like this that just expand your scope of what is actually possible so that in a lot of ways changed my perception of what was possible with a small amount of resources yep and and i say i say small small in a sense like small compared to what some feature film directors get access to
1: yep so So i don't know if this is the right order or not but i remember you coming back from there and you and i were like we're we we
0: were talking so Steph and I are going back and forth about this uh generally the whole time and just bouncing around ideas and things like that
1: yeah i mean so you were in Egypt and we were already starting talking about, like, we want to build something together. We don't know what yet. And we were just bouncing ideas back and forth on your deployment. Of course, while you're working over there, we couldn't build anything because you were working really hard. But when you got back and you did your recruiting campaign, we dove into building apps.
0: We did. Yeah. So when I left the military, uh, we, yeah, we dove into, you know, strategizing about a couple of things. Um, and even before that, we had, um, you know, just, in- practiced our quote unquote investing with uh, public equities and things like that. Um, I lost huge amounts of money. Steph made money and yeah, has stellar, stellar returns that are uh, better than some hedge funds. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But so she's awesome at that. Uh, And I learned that that was not a good place for my skill set. So but we're, we're generally trying all these things and there are it's expensive that's the thing that i just have to throw out there too is like the idea maze and the hero's journey you can't really accelerate the uh the game the plot unless you're willing to invest in it and i think one of the things that uh, i love about you is that you were willing to cringe but allow me to really you know experiment because up until that point we had both uh you know spend saving and I just was of a mindset then where it's like okay now it's really time to invest in myself in us in exploring these opportunities because i just found that the more that we did that the more information and feedback that we could gain and that was i think that information is obviously time is the ultimate luxury but so is the right information at the right time and i found that we could get it much more quickly the more we uh experimented and explored the maze
1: yep so you definitely have to invest or have a wife who's willing to invest on behalf of both of you. Yes. Um, So we kind of, I mean, it makes me laugh thinking where we started, but we created an entertainment app.
0: Yeah. And that was the first. I think what was so great about that is that we did that, so I think two to three weeks after I left the military, we had our first entertainment app in the uh, iOS Apple And we had no
1: background. I think that's important is that we kind of just Googled, how do you create an app? How do you create wireframes?
0: what was so smart about this, though, is I—I I don't remember if you brought this up or I brought this up, but we didn't talk to anybody about this. Probably, I think it's yeah. I think probably
1: it's, you. You're more into don't talk to I anyone. Let's just what, do it.
0: Yeah, I—I I think that fee- feedback is pretty over overrated, especially in the in the early stages. And um, so we just sketched out the wireframes and did the uh, the writing and the data sets because yeah, you have the data science background and. Uh, it was a
1: caption app. So you basically would take a picture and then you would pick a little category and it would slap on a caption, like a pre-made caption that Chad and I came up with ourselves.
0: And the idea was that the captions get funnier over time and then you want to pair them up with the right photo in a place and it would be a contextual funny. So just think like instant comedy for your photo. And the only thing that uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't funny about this was the cease and desist letter that we got. <laughs> that was so <laughs> I, not funny. <laughs> I, I think it was like three weeks after or whatever, but I noticed yep. that. I don't, I don't know if anybody wants to hear the rest of that story, but basically I noticed that uh, too late. I'm going to tell it. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that the, our conversion numbers were really good. We were getting solid downloads and people were generally spending a lot of time in the app. There was a larger company that was really well positioned to use this. They didn't have something like this, but they were investing and they have a really big uh, comedy type company. And so I reached out to them and said, you know, Hey, what's up? I'm just, I'm this guy, I created this app. And I think it would be perfect for your team. Like, you know, would you want to sponsor it, maybe buy it or something like that? And they were like, hello, Chad. Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm the general counsel of this uh, company, and Oops. we would actually like you to take this app out of the store and cease and desist all your activities immediately. Which and is funny
1: because we were so new. We didn't know that they actually had no like ground.
0: It was, yeah, they, for they doing d-
1: that, but we were like, uh oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And it was a, a situation where, of, you know, of course you're angry, but you also, the great thing about those uh, dead ends of an idea maze where you know they might look like a dead end or they might look like uh you know they might be an invitation to to fight that battle and i think it's really important to choose which uh, dead ends, you just stop and immediately reverse course and go another di- direction, or the uh, type of impasses that come where it's worth fighting uh, and defending the idea and then pushing forward, and that just caused us to again stop, think, and realize that okay, wait a minute, do either of us want to do entertainment apps and like things like this? Like yeah, like it was not, fun not and really, funny. To not make. really. Is, is it going to go anywhere? Like how how big could it be? That type of like. Post game analysis that we we cast on it, and it was easy to see that okay, now it's time to reverse uh, course and try some of these other uh, ideas. Okay, so we're talking about building apps and technology products in a very very amateur way, and this is this is years ago. If you want to build apps by the books and by you know with the best of the best technology, then you should check out Twilio. You should check out Twilio Signal Conference that we're going to be at. Steph, what are the details?
1: So Twilio Signal Conference is October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco, and their theme is artificial intelligence, authentic communications. So if you go to signal.twilio.com and use the promo code Mission20, you can get 20% off the conference tickets.
0: Awesome. So yeah, go there, use our promo code. And if you do attend the conference, we will see you there and, and we can nerd see- out about APIs and other things.
1: Well, that too. And the fun part that they're going to have OK Go the band there.
0: Oh, In their cool. closing
1: party. So we can also nerd out while we watch an amazing band that's super fun and funny.
0: I'm all for it. So after the entertainment app, um, I definitely got a bit more serious. I think both of us did when we realized, okay, we're swimming in waters. There are sharks out here. We need to be careful. We need to think a little bit more long term. And we had, we we're basically incubating a whole bunch of different ideas. I think this is a really underrated strategy that anyone can employ out there where, We talked in earlier episodes of the Mission Daily about the importance of um, understanding just how many ideas it takes to really hit upon the good ones. And nature paints us a vivid picture of just how hard it is to create things that survive and endure the realities of our world. So for about every 1,000 ideas, you're going to be able to keep one or one really good one is gonna endure. And your hit ratio can be much higher in the tech and business world, but in the biological world, that's the situation, 99.9% of species go extinct. And I won't keep hampering <laughs> on that point, but you get the idea. So we moved on to the education space and we did two education apps at that point. And I think that was a great lesson in seeing something that we carefully planned it and that it worked. It worked sur- <laughs> like shockingly well. Yeah, they were um, both featured by Apple. They were both featured by quick. Apple. not um, Not the big front page app store features, but in the education category. And that shifted our mindset and worldview of what was possible with, I mean, a couple thousand dollars, really, uh, and a very, very small team. And we saw how many people we reached. We saw how easy it was to create a uh, a mobile platform. And I, I say easy now, looking back, it was not easy at the time. It was incredibly challenging. But again, that opened up our worldview and our eyes of what was possible.
1: Yep, so the one was a college app where it basically told you what your outcome could be depending on the major that you chose. So what would the salary be? What kind of jobs could you get? What were the growth rates? All that. And then the other one was an iPad magazine for teachers. And I think that one was the one where we were like we were doing all the work. We were, you know, getting people to write for us. We were writing. We were doing the designs. We were doing the formatting. We were publishing. And I think.
0: The that, platform for IS distribution and everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that kind of experience, I think, gave us really good insights into, whoa, well, what do we not want to be doing for the next 10 years or what it apps us, do we not want to keep going for the next 10 years? Yeah, definitely. And it
0: gives insights, too, into the education industry as a whole. And um, just in terms of like the, uh, the app that we built for the magazine, the platform, it was better than a lot of the existing larger apps at the time. So like the Fortune app and the Economist app, we had better reviews than them with a team of us, <laughs> us, <laughs> and uh, two two other people, basically on a part time basis, and again shifts your your mindset. So you know that led us in a direction. So we so all along the way, these dots are starting to connect and coalesce uh, in a direction. And uh, next up, we explored subscription businesses with a, a SaaS product that was for attorneys, and that was again a rabbit. And it's, a lot of this stuff seems disparate. It was, but at the time, these paths were the most advantageous path for where we're at and we were really taking a portfolio mindset of we're going to explore all these opportunities these are expensive uh, explorations but we felt anyways the rate at which we were learning justified it and we are not at this point being uh, there are some people in our corner that were cheering us on but there were also plenty of people that were just like what like, very confused what, at why we were doing why, all that <laughs> why is uh, chad working on this stuff alone by himself uh so I mean like alone because like stuff would be at work you would be coming back and yeah and then work like that. with
1: you and spend all weekend working on it with you completely
0: yeah. and so that yeah there were a bunch of questions it was uh, not easy but the rate at which we were learning justified all the expenses
1: yeah a lot of things that we do today with the mission I look back and I'm like we know how to do that even when we were starting this podcast when we were you know thinking about you know launching apps in the future we're like oh yeah we already did that before we've already you know we know the exact steps to get there. So it just makes it a lot easier to see what you can do and how to get there because of these little miniature tests that we did along the way.
0: Yes, and I think that um, anytime you're going along and you're just doing these tests, even if you're just running mental thought experiments, what it would be like if I do this or if I do that. So if you don't have the capital, obviously, if you put your own capital on the line, you can accelerate your rate of learning. But if you don't want to do that or if you just want to run thought experiments in your head, that's where uh, again, I think that we've lost the the art of daydreaming and just pra- you know practicing using your imagination and thinking in stages of, well, if I did this, what would happen? If I did this, would I like that? What if in three to four years I got investment for it and I could expand it? Would that be fun? Is that what I want to do? And so I think that these type of thought experiments are, uh, you can run them very cheaply in your head. I think the challenge though, like we mentioned earlier with that Crichton quote about society is just earning the time or making the time to be alone. And whether it's you know in your commute, uh, riding to and from work, or if it's at work or after work, and you find a chance to to be alone, to really sketch these things out on paper, or just run the thought experiments in your head, it's so important to get a chance to do that.
1: Yep, so then after that, we did a couple more things. You wrote some books. Well, I helped you write books. Learn more about publishing. Yep, learned all about publishing, and that's what led us to the mission of starting the whole platform of, a lot of people have a lot of great things to write about and we want to curate the best content in one place.
0: And th- this is where, again, like the hidden door can open and it's uh, a belief in secrets can be a very effective truth. Paraphrasing the zero to one stuff, of course, that we talked about earlier. But that type of secret door or opportunity, you can it is possible to actually stumble upon it because I had no idea that uh, fiction writing or that outlining series and worlds was going to be something that. I feel anyways, is a superpower, that type of high concept and ability to generate these world outlines very quickly and write them. I had no, I, I mean, I had some sense that I was interested in storytelling. I've always been telling stories and creating, uh, writing and illustrating things, um, but I didn't know that they could be any good. <laughs> and uh, I didn't, didn't suspect that at all until we really, If feels like a mix of experimentation, stumbling, and then you know, setting some goals. And we found that. And as we started to build a platform uh, for those, we quickly discovered that there were a lot of opportunities to help others who were in the trenches as struggling writers and build a publication and a new type of media platform around those that were trying to get uh, good ideas and inspirational ideas out into the world. And there's obviously tons of self-help content. And we saw a big opportunity for science-backed self-help content, which is very you know, empirical, but also at the same time uh, useful, which is focused on results and you know that type of thing isn't going out of style. And that's kind of like the foundation that we use to, again, launch out on the next hero's journey of turning the mission into a uh, profitable and successful media company.
1: Yep, so now that we've gotten all the way up to the mission, I think we should save the idea maze for the mission for the next episode, because that's a whole other story in itself.
0: It is. And it's also an exciting story. And if this was uh, helpful, be sure to let us know or just sit back and listen to the next episode. But I hope it was helpful. I hope this was valuable. And the idea maze is something that it exists right now. If you're in it, we're cheering you on. We're rooting for you. And uh, keep going.
1: Thanks.